0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin. Proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. The owner of the vineyard in the parable Jesus tells exemplifies grace. He goes and he finds workers who are, who are being lazy, idle in the marketplace, uh, standing there all day, hiding from work. And he tells them to go work in the vineyard. And he promises to give them whatever is right. At the end of the day, the landowner gives them the same good wage uh, to all of them, regardless of how long or how little they worked. This is what grace is. Uh, it, it, it is something completely undeserved. It's a gift gift. Uh, declared to someone, not because of who they are or how hard they worked, uh, but because of the giver, the grace of the giver. Grace is never fair, but is always more than what is deserved. But those who work the longest begin to grumble against the landowner. They got the same amount. They got exactly what was promised them, but they, uh, they exemplify the opposite of the landowners grace. They exemplify coveting. They covet these other workers and what they got. And and it's incredibly foolish because they got the exact same thing. They got exactly what was promised to them. But, But coveting is foolish. Sin is foolish. Coveting says God your grace isn't sufficient. I want this. I want, I want something more. I want, I want just more. The final two of the Ten Commandments both deal with covening. The Ninth Commandment deals with covening our neighbor's house or inheritance. The Tenth Commandment deals with covening uh, living things, other people, animals, uh, or, or people such as uh, our neighbor's spouse or workers, as in the case of this parable. These two commandments go together, and they can't be understood to be, to be one commandment, which is why some denominations order uh, these a little bit differently. But having them as two shows how seriously this sin of coveting actually is. It's a rejection of God's grace. Coveting, after all, was the first sin. The devil tempted Adam and Eve. Here, take this and eat. You can be like God. Take this thing that you don't have, and you can have more. And they desired the one thing, the one thing God had not promised them. They had everything else that was good for them. Literally, the entire earth belonged to them. They had dominion over all of it, but they desired more. They desired to be God. So the Tenth Commandment then draws us back to the First Commandment. You shall have no other gods, including yourself or your own pleasures. The Ten Commandments are brilliantly ordered. Uh, by the way, if you've, if you've missed a few services uh, since we began our, our series on the Ten Commandments uh, uh, back in Advent, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to our sermon podcast Uh, on these commandments, and and as Psalm 119 says, to delight in God's statutes, to delight uh, in in what God is telling us through these commandments. Uh, God's laws really are freeing, and and even the 10th commandment. And this parable really is about covening. It it follows after uh, the account of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and he asks, uh, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, that's a bad question, first of all. You can't do anything to to gain an inheritance. Uh, But after the man thinks, he's, he's kept all the commandments. Jesus, what does he do? He directs the man through the ninth and tenth commandments back to the first commandment. He says, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. But the man goes away sad because he loved his possessions. He desired his possessions and loved himself. More than God. Jesus responds, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Notice you don't have to be rich in order to fall into the sin of wanting more. You just have to have riches. And every single one of us, no matter how rich or poor we have, have riches. Uh, because riches include not only money and temporal possessions, but, but every treasure that we value in our lives that vies for the trust of our hearts. This could include even, uh, even our own children uh, and coveting things for them, coveting what, what somebody else has and trying to keep up with the Joneses. It, it could include even our own lives. If we desire life more than God, we'll lose both. But Jesus says, everyone who has left homes or left brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields because of my name will receive a hundred times as much and and will inherit eternal life. Once we realize that we have everything by God's grace, God's grace is sufficient and we have no need to worry about anything else. God, God's grace gives heaven. And on the other hand, uh, there's hell. C.S. Lewis, uh, who you know uh, wrote Chronicles of Narnia, also wrote a novel called uh, The Great Divorce. And in The Great Divorce, he allegorizes hell. And he pictures hell as, as gray town. Uh, And for the people in Greytown, they they just sort of slid there. They don't really understand how they got there. They thought they they were were good people. Uh, But Greytown is this place of endless sprawl. Uh, It's like the worst suburb you can imagine. Uh, It's lonely. Because in Greytown, everyone just gets automatically whatever it is they wish for. So if they want a new car, they just think it and they have it. If they want to move to a new street, all they got to do is think it and they're there. Uh, And so people don't really talk to each other. Uh, They don't really need to rely on each other. Uh, But there's endless fighting because all these people see what everybody else has, and they want those things. Uh, And and so it's a place of uh, of, of endless conflicts being resolved by people moving farther and farther and farther away, which, of course, everyone is doing at the same time. So this place just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding and expanding. So, this one town is now millions of miles across, filled with stuff that will never gladden hearts, but just lead to more anguish, anger, and torment. Everyone there is their own God. And the scary thing is, what C.S. Lewis wrote about 80 years ago uh, is, well, we see it happening today in our own lives. This is exactly what digital and social media do. I mean, coveting has always been an issue, but social media extends it. Uh, You can have it all simply by a few taps on the keyboard. The draw of it is that it promises to fulfill my desires with very little effort or so it seems. But what's really going on? I can see someone else's life on social media and, uh, and what they have, and, and it's filtered and edited to be a, a caricature of their life. It's not the real thing. But I look at, at their life and I can see. I can say, well, man, their life is really going, going well. I want what they have. I want to be that person. Meanwhile, that person is thinking the same thing about someone else, maybe even you. And so it becomes this never-ending cycle of wanting what someone else has, coveting. And precisely because of that, it's, it's isolating. People move farther and farther away from each other. It's, it's lonely. It's addicting. And potentially, it's even spiritually harmful. Now, sure, there are benefits to it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but we need to at least recognize that it is virtual gray town. Uh, at worst, social media tells me that how God, may be, how God made me uh, is not enough. Maybe I need to have surgery to to fix whatever I think uh, is right, to, to get my body to match who I think I should be. The landowner of the vineyard says to those who are covetous, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? That phrase, is your eye evil, often gets uh, paraphrased and softened in most translations. Uh, The EHV says, uh, are you envious because I'm good? And that's appropriate coveting, which is someone else's. But I don't think we understand how evil coveting actually is. You know, we reason, I'm not doing anything, I'm I'm just looking, I'm just thinking. But Jesus, however, calls it like it is. Is your eye evil? Now this eyeing of evil is the Greek word poneros. This is where we get the word pornography, poneros. Now what is pornography today but coveting someone who is not your spouse? But the word could easily apply to evilly eyeing anything else. Uh, some pastors uh, joke about church porn, uh, that is coveting another church. Uh, but it's a real thing. Uh, looking at someone else's church and coveting what they have, more people... Uh, rather than loving what God has given you. God hasn't placed us in a virtual world uh, where other people are simply objects. If we simply get whatever we covet, whatever we desire, uh, like in Greytown, we would have no needs. We would have no need for each other. We would have no need for church. Or maybe we just create our own with no one else in it, except me, a virtual church. Eventually, we'd have no need for God. So we need to to discipline ourselves so that we desire God's grace more than anything. And as we approach Lent, Lent historically is a time to do this, to devote ourselves uh, to prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Fasting, of course, is, is not commanded, but it is held up in Scripture as a good thing. It allows us to do what St. Paul says in our epistle lesson, to discipline and rule our body so that it doesn't rule over me and I be lost. So I encourage you to think about this practice of fasting uh, and to maybe try it out, to live within the means that God has already provided you. How can you live and be content with what God has given you and, and set aside those thoughts Uh, to tell God what he should do with his own things and to give you more. The truth is, we could live without anything if all we have is the grace of God delivered in word and sacrament. Remember the promise Jesus said to his disciples, those who uh, go without father or mother or brothers or sisters or children for my sake will not fail to inherit a hundred times as much and the kingdom of heaven? The landowner tells those covetous workers, take what is yours and go. This is the most terrifying thing someone could ever hear from God. Take what is yours and go. I could be the most rich and most famous person, but to have that without God is to have nothing. All I own of, my, of myself is sin. But the other workers, the ones who had been lazy, standing idle all day in the marketplace, the ones who were called last, they are now called to stay and to keep working in the vineyard. And, and just to be there is a privilege that to simply be in this vineyard Doing the work is a reward. I've been recently working on a, uh, a new processional cross that I, I hope to uh, put right next to the pulpit here. Uh, and I messed up on, on this board, which is why I've, I've got it here. But uh, my, uh, as I work uh, at home, my, my oldest son wants nothing more than to, to do the work with me, to come downstairs and to work with me. Now, obviously, I'm not going to let him run the saw. Uh, But if I give him just a little piece of sandpaper, uh, uh, he's happy, or or maybe more accurately, he can play with Legos and build things while I build, uh, and he's happy. Um, But the work itself is a reward, and you could probably think about your own sons. Uh, Or when you were a son, how much of a joy it was to just work with your dad? You saw my other son this morning, uh, how much joy he had doing what his father does, Uh, and the tantrum that ensued after when he couldn't do that thing. But, you know, when we were kids, our work probably never amounted to much. But that's a picture of the good works God calls us to do. They don't really amount to much, but that's okay. The work doesn't save us. The work follows the Father's grace. But because of the Father's grace, there is a reward for doing the work. Uh, The works don't do nothing. They actually do something, uh, and they do give us joy, It's a joy to be doing the work of our Father in heaven. We actually have a purpose. And we're not just working to fill our barns and our houses with more stuff. We have a higher purpose. It is good to be doing the work of God. But God always gives more. This is what grace is. He always gives more. He gives more than we deserve. Just think of where the workers in the parable are called to work. Uh, They're not working in a a wood shop, uh, but they're working in a vineyard. What purpose does a vineyard have? It, It makes wine. Wine, throughout Scripture, gladdens the hearts of men. It does the very thing that the things and people that we covet can never do. It gladdens hearts. It fills hearts with joy and makes them whole. It's the element that carries with it Jesus' own blood in the sacrament, bringing the forgiveness of sins. You and I, by the grace of God, have been called into God's vineyard. We have everything by grace. More than we deserve, more than we can even imagine. This is no gray town. We don't get... Uh, What we think, or what we think we want, we get what is good. This is a vineyard arrayed in the colors of heaven. We could lose everything in this world. But to be in God's vineyard, to be in the holy Christian church, is to have everything. The last will be first. For God, who did not spare his own Son, but gave up his own Son for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? In Jesus' name, amen.